you know, I don't even know how these sermons come sometimes. And I truly mean that. So let me say, if, you know, if I had started out over 30-something years ago, and if you had told me all the sermons that I would have to come up with, I would have quit. I would have never entered the ministry, ever, ever. But it, what I learned is it's the Lord that gives us what to say. And many times, the way the Lord will speak to me, I'll be driving down the road, and the Lord will speak to my heart a seed, a word. And then, and then the next thing I know, it's developed into a whole message. And so this morning, I have something I believe that the Lord wants me to deposit into your heart and into your life. And I pray for the anointing. I pray for the anointing on my heart, on these words that I speak, that they will have God's spiritual power to go along with them. So they'll nurture you and they'll feed you and they'll put faith in you. There's power of life in the tongue. And so today we speak life to God's people. This morning, I want to share something. In fact, I want to... I want to go to Psalm 104 is where I want to begin there. And I was just going to read two verses, but I want to read more verses here. And this is going to lead us into an incredible spiritual theme today. This is about the Lord. This is about part of his character, his nature, who he is. This is, listen, this message this morning, this is the truth that I want to share this morning is a message and a teaching about the Lord that this will give you strength when you're in the trial, when you're in the fiery furnace. This, this teaching, this principle of the Lord that he tells us about who he is, going to give you strength to stand when you're in the storm. This principle is going to enable us to see and, and have a, a different perspective on life than we've ever had before. This principle will help us to maintain patience and hope as God works out his marvelous plan. This principle, I, I pray, one of the things that I pray happens today is in this message is that your appreciation for the Lord just skyrockets. You just see your heavenly father in a whole new light. And what I want to talk about is this. I want to talk about the providence of God. I am thrilled over that my God, that our God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit is a God of providence. I'm going to tell you what that means. Now, we have in Psalm 104, and if our brothers would put this on the screen, I just, so I was reading this, and I just kept going, okay, I can't start that, backing up. I kept backing up and backing up. I want to begin in verse 14, Psalm 104, verse 14. And, I want you, and I'm going to define for us what the providence of God is, how it affects our lives, how it affects our, our, our own heart, how we perceive who God is. Here the psalmist says, Psalm 104, verse 14, 14, he causes the grass to grow for the cattle, the vegetation for the service of man, that he may bring forth food from the earth and wine that makes glad the heart of man, oil to make his face shine, and bread which strengthens man's heart. The trees of the Lord are full of sap. He calls all those trees out there. He said, those, those are the Lord's trees, the meaning the earth is the Lord's. Those trees are the Lord. Your trees in your yard are the Lord. That grass out there, that's the Lord's. 
the cedars of Lebanon, which he planted, where the birds make their nests and the stork has her home in the fir trees, the high hills or for the wild goats, the cliffs or a refuge for the rock badger. I was in northern Israel and I was up in where, where Jesus made the statement and he said, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. It was right in that area of Caesarea Philippi. And we were there. And you can go to a Bible dictionary and see pictures of exactly where we were there. And so I, there was these steps over to the side. And I thought, I'm going to go up there. And I just began to investigate. And I went up these steps. And I came up to, it was almost like a, a, a patio deck. But it was all of stones. And it had a little stone wall around the outside. And I walked up and I turned to the left. And on the, the ledge of that platform was the ugliest looking animal, and it was a standoff. <laughs> I wish I would have thought to get the picture of that. I got a picture. Uh, I wish I would have thought to bring it, but I got a picture. I zoomed in, and you could tell me and that little rock badger, which is called in the old King James a coney, but it's a rock badger, and I saw that rock badger. We, we, were, like, we were like having a little standoff there. Here it says, it talks about the rock badger here, about how that the Lord created the cliffs because the little rock badgers don't have any, any ability to protect themselves. So what they do, they hide in the rocks. It says in verse 19, he appoints the moon for seasons. The sun knows it's, it's uh, going down. You make darkness and it is night in which the beast of the forest creep about. The young, lions, the young lions roar after their prey and seek their food from God. When the sun rises, they gather together and, the, uh, and lie down in their dens. Man goes out to his work and to his labor until the evening. Oh, Lord, how manifold are your works. So here's the psalmist. He's looking out at how the world functions. He's looking at the trees and the rock badgers. He's looking at the lions. He's seeing the trees and the grass. And he doesn't say, I don't believe there's a God. No, that's what a lot of people are saying today. He said, there is a God. And how wonderful are your works. Amen. Thank you, brother. And how, wonder, how oh Lord, how manifold are your works. In wisdom, you have made them all. The earth is full of your possessions. The earth is full of God's stuff, right? Isn't that what it means? The earth is full of God's possessions. The, the great and the wide sea in which are innumerable, teeming things, living things, both small and great. Their ships sail about. Uh, that is, that Leviathan which you have made to play there. Look at verse 27 and 8. I'll, begin, I'll end with 28. It says, these all, the whole creation, these all wait for you, and you give them their food in due season. What you give them, they gather in. Look at this. You open your hand, 
and they are filled with good. God is feeding the world. God has, his hands are so big, he opens his hand and he feeds the little birds. He feeds the lions. He feeds the people. He sustains and he supplies and he in providence provides for all of creation. What is it? What is it? He's a God of providence. Verse 28 says again, what you give them, they gather in. And you open your hand, and they are filled with good. Amen? Everybody say the God of providence. So what does that mean? I'm going to quickly go through this. One man has defined providence this way. Listen closely. Providence is, when we speak of the Lord, the continuing and often unseen activity of God in sustaining his universe, providing for the needs of every creature, and preparing for the completion of his eternal purpose. In a more simpler way, I would say this. Providence, God's providence, is his watchful care. Hear that? His watchful care over all of creation, especially his redeemed children, to lead them toward his desired goal. I want to look at four aspects of God's providence. Number one is this. I want us to look and consider the power of God's providence. And, and, I, and I say that the power of God's providence because have you noticed that there's many people that have good intentions. There's many people that want to do certain things, good things. They just have no power to complete it. They have no power to fulfill it. They have no ability to do it. Not so with our God. Not so with the God of providence. Not so with our great heavenly Father. He has the power to do what he wants to do. He can, listen, he has the power. What kind of power is this? I just thought about how unlimited his providence is. How unlimited the power of his providence. It's beyond human strength. It's beyond human ability and capability. God's providence is an unlimited providence. Jeremiah understood this. And Jeremiah, in speaking of providence, said this, Oh, Lord God, oh, Lord God, behold, you have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and by your outstretched arm. And notice what he said, nothing is too hard for you. We need to know that today. Nothing is too hard for our God. Why? Because his providence is unlimited. Our God is a supernatural God. Our God is an almighty God. His providence is as great and vast as his being. The only limits to God are the self-limitations of his own holy nature. Because of course, you say God can do anything. He cannot sin. God can do anything. Oh, yes, but he cannot lie. He will not deny himself because he is faithful to his holy nature, but his providence is vast. So when Jesus came to planet earth, he demonstrated the providence of God. He demonstrated the supply of God. He demonstrated meeting the needs of needy people. I, I thought about one of those stories when God's providence showed up at a funeral and the funeral had been over for four days. And he's standing outside of a tomb. And the sisters, he's saying, remove the stone. 
And the sisters are saying, his body is already decaying. His body already is stinketh, is what the old King James says. But listen, it stinketh. I've met some stinketh folks. Uh, come on, amen? <laughs> you go to camp with little kids. You'll be stinketh. <laughs> but he had already told Mary and Martha, he said, if you will believe you will see the glory of God. Now, the glory of God is manifold. God reveals his glory in many ways, but specifically, he is saying the glory of raising this man from the dead. You're going to see God's providence. You're going to see the power of God. You're going to see God's unlimited power to do what man cannot do. No man could have drug his corpse out, but it would have fallen on the ground. But Jesus said, Lazarus, come forth. And he came forth. Life came back into that man. And he was, and they unclothed, they unwrapped the, the grave clothes that are there. What am I saying? I'm saying Jesus in his providence provides life for us. He is the life giver. He is the giver of all life. John one, uh, St. John says that in him was life and his life was the light of men. All life comes from God. He is the life giver. That's why we hold life dear. That's why abortion is such a tragic thing because life is so precious in the sight of God. Do you know that God gave you your life? You're blessed with God's life. He gives you breath in your lungs. He gives you a mind and an intellect. You've got an intelligence quotient. Some of us wish you had a little more, but anyway. To serve him. He's given you life so that you can give your life back to him. But he is life. He sustains life. He restores life. He's a God of life. I thought about Jesus walking on the water. And when Jesus walked on the water, he's demonstrating his divine providence and power over all of creation and over water. He walked on the water. Here's what it says. But the boat was now in the middle of the sea, tossed by the waves, for the wind was contrary. And now the, at the fourth watch of the night, he went to them. Notice this, walking on the sea. He's walking on the sea. He's walking and demonstrating authority over creation. No obstacle can stop him. His divine power can get you. And I thought about this as I, I meditated on that story. How that the disciples were in need. And if somebody was out in the middle of the sea like that, some of us have been in that sea. If you were out in the middle of that sea in a storm, you couldn't get there as a human being. You, would, you could pray for them. You could wish. You could hope the boat holds up. But you could not get to them as a human being. But we have a God of what? We have a God of providence. Jesus could get to them. He can get to you. His power can get to you. His, his, his provision can get to you. And he went to them and he spoke to the sea and he commanded it to be calm and there was peace. Why? Because God's providence is unlimited. There's no limit to his supply. The limits of his supply, the limits of his vast nature, which is, there's no limit to it. He's an almighty God. Do you get that today? His providence is almighty. That's why, that's why unbelief is so dastardly. That's why unbelief that's why he doesn't tolerate unbelief. That's why he won't move in the lives of his people unless they have faith. Because we have all the evidence we need to trust the God of providence. And the thing is that unbelief shuts people out of what God wants to do. You know, the Lord, the Lord in his desire, he has something for all of us today. I believe that with all my heart. 
Taste and see. He has something for you today. I don't know what you need, but he, but he has something for you. He has planned something good of his Holy Spirit, of his grace for you. But what happens is we shut ourselves out from what God wants to do because he will only operate by faith. In the Israel of old, you remember, they cut themselves off from what the Lord wanted to do, and they missed out. How many people just miss out because they won't trust that God is a God of unlimited providence. His providence is unlimited. Here's another thing I want you to see. Not only is it unlimited, it's very unique. God's providence is unique. What I mean by that is this. There is kind of a general providence, God's supply, God's care, God's uh, caring for his creation. There's kind of a general providence, but then there's a special providence. You realize that there's, in a sense, general mercy for the whole world. For those that blaspheme his name today, for those that hate God, for those that say God doesn't exist and are telling other people and trying to convince them that he doesn't exist, they are experiencing the providence of God right now. How do I know that? Because the scripture teaches us that it rains on the just and it rains on the unjust. That means that every lost person today in one way or another are experiencing the love of God and they don't even know it. They they don't even like God. They don't like God. They don't like his word. They don't want to love his church. They don't love his ministers. They don't want anything to do. They blaspheme God, and yet God is loving them. Why? He's providing. It rains on the just and the unjust. They're experiencing the goodness of God. But what I want you to know today, and I hope that you'll get this in your spirit, though there is a general providence of God, there's a general love of God over the world, there is more than that for you and I, because we have entered into covenant with Jesus. We are born again. Are you born again? You are born. We are in Christ, and we have entered in at least in a, at least in an earnest way. We have entered in to the promises and the blessing of the Lord all through Jesus Christ. And what you have today available to you and I is not just the general providence of God. We have the unique providence of God. We have the special providence of God watching over us, watching over this church, and I just believe that he loves us today. Don't you believe that he loves us today? He's proud of us today. Think about this. You were the object of God's love from eternity past. The heart of our God is so large and so big that from eternity past, He had already in his mind sent his son to the cross, dying on the cross from the foundation of the world, already in the mind of God. And and it said that in uh, in, uh, Ephesians 1 and verse 4, it talks about how that he chose us in him before creation. Think about that kind of purposeful, unique proactive love of God in each of our lives. And we think about God's love today. How do I experience the love of God? How do I know the love of God? I was reading through Romans. I'd read this some time ago. I think I might have read it in the service. Romans 8 where it starts, uh, I'm convinced that nothing can separate me from the love of God. And I, I began to meditate on that, began to read through that. And you remember, he was saying, Death, nor life, nor thing present, nor things to come, nor principalities, nor powers, 
nor anything, any created thing, things above the earth, things under the earth, nothing in all creation can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. And then I began to look at the quotation from the Old Testament where he said, we, we are accounted as sheep to the slaughter. We are killed all day long. And I began to really highlight to my heart, the Holy Spirit did, how that, that whole verse about the love of God is about God's people, and particularly Paul, engaged in the work of God, going around planting churches, trying to serve God with all of his heart. And Paul says, in the middle of all this that I'm going through and advancing your word and your kingdom in that first century world, nothing can separate me from God's love. And I thought, how special is that when we're seeking to build this church? We're seeking to advance the kingdom. We're seeking to do more for God. I want you to know nothing can separate us from God's love. We have God's love. But how do I experience God's love, this unique providence? How do I experience that? There's only one way. Romans 5, 5 said the love of God is poured out in our hearts through the Holy Spirit. Amen? When you allow the Holy Spirit to flood your life, and I pray that you would do so today, you experience God's love. It's, it's the communication of God's love. That's why the Holy Spirit's ministry in us is so vital and it's so important. The love of God is poured out in our heart through the Holy Spirit. One man said it this way, commenting on that verse, Romans 5 and 5. Here's what he said. And I thought this was an interesting quote. Howard Irwin said this. He said, for contextual reasons, this is interpreted herewith as a present perfect, which is, listen, which, which the action is particular and linear, which means there was a point in time, particular, there was a specific, particular moment in time when we experience the love of God, but it's also linear. We're experiencing the love of God. So here's what that means. We entered into this unique love. We entered into this unique, special providence of God the moment we said yes to Jesus. Have you said yes to Jesus? Isn't he wonderful? At the moment you stood at the cross, in a sense, you stood there and you said, Jesus, I am a sinner and I need a Savior and I believe Jesus is the only Savior. I believe he died and was buried and rose on the third day. Now is ascended and is the Lord. I confess him as Lord. Save me. At that moment, you experience God's love in that particular moment. But now as we walk with the Lord. The Holy Spirit is, is, in a linear way, is being poured out again and again and again and again. And the Holy Spirit is saying to you, your God is a God of providence. The God of heaven loves you. He, you and we cry, Abba, Father. Amen? We cry, Abba, Father. What a wonderful God we serve. Here's something else about the providence of God. Not only is it unlimited, there's no limit to what God can do. He can get to you. It's very unique. And very special. It's general, but we have the special, unique love of God because we're in the family. But here's something else about God's providence. It operates in the parameters of God's perfect understanding. All of us have experienced this, so I don't even have to ask you. I, I just know how we human beings are. We've all faced difficult times in life where we wondered if Anyone could even understand what we're going through. We couldn't even tell anyone. And we're like, I, I, I don't even know how to tell anyone this. 
I don't even know how to share with somebody my need. I don't even think they would really understand. And you really feel alone in that moment, don't you? You feel like I'm, so, I'm in this struggle. But what, I, what we need to understand according to the word of God, the God that we serve, our Lord Jesus Christ, his providential care, his watching over our lives, works within the parameters of absolute, perfect understanding of every single one of his children. Now, if that doesn't impress you, David was impressed by this. He was completely in awe of God's understanding of his life. And he stated it this way. In Psalm 139, he said, Oh, Lord, you have searched me, and you know me. You know me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You understand my thoughts from afar. You comprehend my path and my lying down. And you are acquainted with all my ways. There is not a word on my tongue, but behold, O oh Lord, you know it altogether. You know what I'm going to say before I say it. You have hedged me behind and before. You have laid your hand upon me. And David is so overwhelmed with the omniscience of God and the way God knows him in providence. He said such knowledge is so wonderful for me. It is so high I cannot even attain it. I cannot even ima imagine a God that knows me so wonderfully that he knows every need that I have. He knows everything about my life. God knows your situation. He knows your need in your life. What a God we serve. He knows your individual needs. Because the, Jesus said this, after these things the Gentiles seek, for your heavenly Father knows that you have need of them. Some of you have a bill sitting on your counter at home and you're under stress over it. God knows that. There are things going on in, the, in your family, an extended family, that you're stressed about. God knows about that and no one in this room knows. But God knows. There's things that you need in your life now that you don't even want to share with anyone. But I tell you, your heavenly Father knows that you have need of those things. How? Because in his omniscient care and in his providence, working with omniscience, he has perfect understanding of your need. But you know, he also knows what congregations need. He knows what we need. He knows our struggle. He knows the enemies we face. He said to a church under suffering, he said these words. He said, I know your works. I know your tribulation, the poverty, but you are rich. I know the blasphemy of those who say they are Jews and are not but are a synagogue of Satan. God says, I know. I'm here to tell you this morning, the God that we serve is the God that has the power of his providence. It is unlimited. It is very unique. And it comes and, and works in the parameters of perfect understanding and perfect timing. Hallelujah. 
Aren't you glad you serve a God that his providence is powerful? He can get you what you need. What a mighty God. Let's quickly look at one more thing. And that is, what's the purpose behind his providence? God, this part of his nature is to provide he provides creation. He opens his hand and he fills the streams. We pray on the streams he would close his hand right now. Come on, amen. Just close your hand a little bit, Lord. Please, please, Father. But what's the purpose of God's providence? I'll I tell you, one of the purposes is this, to bring good, to bring you good. Do you realize God in his provident care is bringing good to you? Every good and perfect gift is from the Father above. Every good and perfect gift. Do you know who wants to bring us bad? What's his old name? Old Slewfoot. Hmm? That's what my mother-in-law used to call him. Old Slewfoot. The devil. Satan. The adversary. The deceiver. The destroyer. He wants to bring bad. He said, the enemy only comes to steal, steal, and destroy. But Jesus said, I've come that you may have life and that you may have it more abundantly. It's the enemy's goal to destroy your faith, to destroy your health, to destroy your wealth, to destroy your children, to destroy your peace. Satan is a destroyer. He will use deception. He'll use delay. He'll use disappointment. He'll use anything he can. But our God works in providence to Bring good into our lives. I think somebody quoted this verse. Your heavenly father gives good things to those who ask. Who quoted that? Who did? Maria? Maria, we say amen to your mini sermon. <laughs> you did good. It was only one point and it was really good. You knocked it out of the park. Our Heavenly Father gives good things to those who ask, gives good gifts to those who ask. One preacher said to another preacher, he called him, he said, hey, buddy, how you doing today? He said, man, I just feel like I am just loaded down. He said, oh, I'm so sorry how I can pray. Oh, no, no, don't pray. He said, I read in that scripture, he loadeth me with benefits. You say, I feel like I'm being hounded. I feel like I'm being pursued. Me too. Goodness and mercy. Come on, she'll follow me all the days of my life. Everywhere I look behind me, his goodness is there. I look to the left. I look to the right. I look ahead. All I see is goodness. Why? Because he's a good God. He brings good into our lives. You say, oh, you know, you're talking to some people. They always live in the past. You ever notice that? That's a bad attitude to get into. All they talk about is the past and what somebody did to them. And, you know, they always, always pull that file out. It's almost like their life is over. You know, our life is not over. Our ministry is not over. Your life is not over. How do I know that? Because of the Word of God. Our God's a God of providence. You want you me to tell you what the Lord has said. Psalm 31. Look at this psalm. 31. Verse 19, oh, how great is your goodness. Notice that. Does this excite you? Oh, how great is your goodness, which you have laid up. 
You've stored up for those who fear you, which you have prepared for those who trust in you in the presence of the sons of men. To hide them from the secret place, from the presence of the plots, from the plots of man. To keep him securely in the pavilion from the strife of tongues. God has things laid up for us right now to those who trust him. He's about to open some gifts for us. Come on. He's opening revival to us. He's opening healing to us. He's opening the gifts to us. He's opening new peace to us. He's opening new provision for us. Why? Because we're going to trust him and we're going to say, oh, the goodness of God is wonderful. He's a God of providence. I think this, this teaching of the providence of the Lord, the purpose of it is to give you comfort. You know, if you don't know that your God's a God of providence, when you go through a storm or a difficulty, you lose every time. I mean, every time a little bump in the road and your God's forsaken me and, and we're going down, we're never going to make it. You're like those 10 spies that you want to just muzzle some folks sometimes. I mean, you know, some folks just talk too much. Come on, church. You may work with some of those folks. They just talk too much. They say the wrong things at the wrong time. But I want you to know this. I want you to know that when you go through a storm or a trial or a difficulty, don't pull out some doubt. Open the spiritual file and say, our God is a God of all comfort. He comforts us in every trial. I'm in a trial, but I'm coming out. I'm going to see his glory. Come on, church. I love this. See, this, this comforts us. And I'll end here. This comforts us. One of the reasons is it comforts us. God, so I'm going to tell you that I'm opening my hand. I'm feeding the world. Why wouldn't the world, wouldn't I feed you? I died for you. I died for you. Why would I feed some little sparrow somewhere and wouldn't feed you and wouldn't supply for you? Doesn't that hurt his heart that we would even doubt him? He, here's, some of you are in a storm today. David went through a storm. Here's what he did. He was leading these 400 men to fight the enemy, kind of secretly, fighting the Philistines. He was away from Israel because of the Saul situation. And one day David goes out to fight with these men and he comes back and the city of Ziklag where he was, was burned. Whole city was burned. Wives were gone. Children, was gone. Children were gone. All the materials were gone. All the things that they needed, all the, it was all gone. And you're talking about a storm? You're talking about a difficulty? These, all these men, these are warriors. I mean, you read through the Old Testament, these are bad boys. These are special ops. These are special forces. These are guys that are bad. They do bad things to people. It's an army. And now they're mad at David. And they, they're, st they're talking about stoning David. You know, when, when we succeed, look what we did. But if we fail, Pastor, look what you did. Okay. We know how that works. Comes with the territory. And they spoke of stoning David. David, I thought you heard from God. Here's what it says. But David strengthened himself in the Lord.
Isn't that a marvelous verse? David strengthened himself in the Lord. What does that mean? I think it means something like this. David starts meditating on the providence of God. He pulls out the history of God's providence in his life. He might have thought about the giant or the bear or the lion. Or maybe the Holy Spirit bubbled up in him one of those great psalms. The Lord is my refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Maybe, maybe bubble up Psalm 9 and 10. They that know thy name will put their trust in you. Maybe, maybe like this, maybe something like this bubbled up. If the foundations are being destroyed, what can the righteous do? The Lord is on his throne. The Lord is in his holy temple. And one of the, one of the applications, if you will, of the, pro, the doctrine of God's providence is this. When you're in your deepest valley, you may have folks wanting to stone you. You may be sick in your body. You may have loss in your life. You may have division in your life. You may, you may going through one of the worst trials of your life. But I want to tell you what the doctrine of God's providence it will do. It will lift you up above the shadows. It will lift you above the storm clouds. You'll, get, you'll have Holy Ghost wings to get above those storm clouds. And you'll begin to see the light of God's presence. And you won't cave in unbelief. And you won't doubt God. And you won't blame God. But you'll say, God, in your time, you're going to bring me through. And the Bible says in that story, David asked the Lord, shall I pursue these men? He said, pursue. You're going to recover all. And I want you to know, if there's been loss or difficulty in your life, the God of providence can cause you to recover all in your life in Jesus' name. Do you believe that your God is the God of providence? I do. He meets every need. If you